Welcome to the Safe Travels Podcast. This is the show where we talk about tips for worry-free travel. I'm your host, Damian Tisdall. In this show, we're going to talk about RV travel as an alternative during coronavirus lockdowns. A lot of people are trying to avoid crowds, and they're avoiding a lot of the typical travel choices like airplanes, cruise ships, and a lot are thinking that road trips might be a good idea, and therefore RV travel has come up. Today, I'm interviewing Jason Epperson from RVMiles.com. Jason is a full-time RVer with kids. He's been doing this for years so he has a lot of experience. In the show, we'll talk about a lot of good stuff. For instance, road schooling strategies for RVing with kids full-time. Jason will talk about the national parks and how they might be very busy this year. He has an informal rule called the 222 rule that they follow to keep sane on the road. He offers a bunch of resources for planning your trip. We cover some of the common RV mistakes and how to avoid them. And he talks a little bit about how RVing in cities is not totally impossible. There will be show notes, links to all of the resources, and a transcript available. You can visit our Twitter feed at Safe Travels FM for links to that. So please enjoy this conversation with Jason Epperson about RV travel as an alternative during coronavirus. Jason, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. Could you just help the audience understand a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what you're up to? So I'm a full-time RVer with my wife and my three kids, and we have been traveling the country for almost four years now. And we do podcasts and and blogs and YouTube videos about traveling. We have the RV Miles podcast, which talks about our travels and the RV industry. And we have the See America podcast, which talks about American destinations. And then we have the America's National Parks podcast, which talks about all the different national parks in, in the U.S. And uh, and we've been having a real fun time doing it. And you mentioned traveling with kids, so you are homeschooling on the road. Yeah, we call it road schooling. We've taken our life on the road and made it an educational opportunity. So a lot of our travel is influenced by homeschooling, by what we want to teach the kids at that time. So, you know, they do basics every day, math and and reading and writing and spelling and all that sort of stuff. But when we want to deal with like American history, uh, you know, we can go to all these amazing places in this country and learn about them. We want to deal with geology. We can go into a national park and, and look at the rock formations, go to a chat with a park ranger, all that sort of stuff. We did we spent about six weeks in New Mexico our first year on the road and visited all the Native American sites and, and basically spent all that time being immersed in Native American history. So the kids got to experience that stuff firsthand instead of in a book, which was just wonderful. I know a lot of people have had the thought of doing something like this full time, mm-hmm. and you mentioned it a little bit. But when you made the decision, was there some anxiety around that? Was it a scary decision to make? And if so, how did you deal with that? Oh, I don't know. We were so excited at first. Part of the biggest challenge for us was the fact that I was still sort of wrapping up some work in Chicago and we had to stay in and around Chicago and we couldn't get on the road right away. So we were staying in a campground and I was driving two hours into Chicago every day. So there was so much happening there wasn't really a whole lot of anxiety over it for, for me. I think maybe the kids had some anxiety. There was a lot of anxiety over selling a bunch of our stuff, and we had to downsize drastically. We had to get rid of a lot of stuff. Other than that, though, you know, our last day in Chicago, you know, we never, people talk about the violence of Chicago all the time. We never experienced anything remotely 
violent or dangerous or any crime whatsoever. But the last day when we're moving into our bus right outside of our apartment, a guy comes up to us. He actually came up to our kids first, which kind of concerned me. And he was telling our kids to go inside. And he um, then he came up to us and he says, you, you guys should go inside right now. I was just robbed at gunpoint. And that was just kind of a sign to us that, you know, it was just kind of time to leave this neighborhood and just get out and do something else. And gosh, we've been there have been challenges, certainly, like any life, but we've loved it. That, that's amazing timing on that story. Right. Now, you've been, for the audience, it's May 13th right now. So we've been dealing with coronavirus for several months now, yeah. out of the country's lockdown. So you've been out on the on the road or in, in RV lifestyle mm-hmm. during all of this. How's that community handling coronavirus? It's been a real challenge for some, and some have been luckier than others. Basically, what happened about eight weeks ago now mm-hmm. is, is that states began to close campgrounds, at least that states and, and the federal government run. All the public campgrounds started to close, and, and private campgrounds were the only thing open because the states have been trying to discourage travel. The idea being, if the campgrounds are, are open, people will want to travel to our state and bring this virus around the country. And there are over a million full-time RVers out on the road. And not only full-time RVers, there are many more than one million people that do what we call snowbirding, where they go from the colder climates in the north to the south in the winter in an RV, even if they have a home, or they're just you know out traveling and getting caught in the middle of this. So we were in a campground that we were scheduled to be at for a week and we sort of made the decision pretty quick that we weren't going to keep moving. We're in Arizona where there's probably a lower chance of a lot of cases. There's very few people in this county. And we just booked a monthly rate at this campground. And we've been here for the last two months now and, and haven't moved. And a lot of people have experienced that, but a lot of people were somewhere where they couldn't book a monthly rate or they needed to get somewhere. And some travel restrictions began to be put in place and that made it difficult for people. There's 14-day quarantines when you arrive in some states that are required. And there are some counties, it's all been county by county. There have been some counties that have closed all campgrounds, including pi- private parks entirely. The state of New Mexico has told all campgrounds that they can only operate at 25% capacity. So mm-hmm. some people had to leave. There have been all sorts of incidents like that. And lots of campgrounds have closed all their amenities, including bathrooms and laundry. And that can be a, a challenge for people. I don't know that it's much more of a challenge than people who are having to shelter in place in their own home. But there, there are a few little wrenches that, that make it a little bit more difficult for an RVer. But there's some freedoms as well. You know, if you were in a, a hot spot and, and wanted to get away, or if you own an RV, there are a lot of people that are medical professionals that own an RV that are staying in their RV so that they don't have to come home to their family. Mm-hmm. You know, they might even be staying in their driveway, but they don't have to bring the virus in their house. So there, there are positives and negatives to this time that we're in right now, but there have been a lot of challenges for us full-timers, at least. That leads us to the main topic that we wanted to talk about a little bit is so many travelers are looking at options that they can fill in for a lot of the travels that they aren't able to take, whether it's cruises or airline flights. So I've certainly read a lot about people uh, leaning towards RV or at least thinking about it. And we wanted to get your opinion about whether it is a good alternative form of travel during COVID-19. Yeah, there is huge interest in RVing right now. RVing was 
already on the rise before this happened. And the sales at, at dealerships have not slowed down hardly at all. And the campgrounds that have reopened are reporting that they're getting lots and lots of bookings. People are wanting to travel. They're realizing that they're not going to be traveling in internationally anytime soon. They may not want to get on an airplane. They don't want to deal with being close to people in a pressurized cabin, all breathing the same air. They don't want to get on a cruise ship and they can't get on a cruise ship anytime soon. They might not even want to go to a hotel room. So the idea of bringing your accommodations with you is really appealing. You have your own bathroom, your own kitchen, and and you can clean it yourself and all that and yourself contain. So a lot of people are looking at this as a great possibility for getting out there and traveling after this is over or even now. And, and people are getting the itch right now because they've been cooped up. They want to get out and they want to go see something. So, and a lot of people are not working. And if they have the money and can afford to, they're thinking, well, I'm going to travel until my place of business opens back up. So there's a ton of interest right now, and it is it is a great way to travel. There are changes happening based on the coronavirus, and I think in every aspect of life, we're, we're looking at a new normal. And when you go to a campground now, as opposed to a couple months ago, you're going to see some different things. I just participated in a big summit, Back to Camping Summit, which was thousands of campgrounds all getting together to talk about reopening and all the challenges they're facing. So they're putting in lots of implementations like contactless check-in. So they're checking people in over the phone, closing down their store. Maybe their store's open, but they'll deliver stuff to you. So if you need firewood or ice and things like that, they might not have it available for you to walk up and get at any time, but you can order it. Our laundry room here has opened up, but they've closed every third machine to keep people distance from each other. They're give it specific hours. They have rules for how many people can be in the laundry room at a time. There's lots of stuff like that happening at campgrounds themselves. In general, the experience at a campground is about the same, and especially as more and more reopen. But the biggest changes people are going to experience if they want to travel right now are going to be at the places you go visit. So if you're going to national parks or you're going to different attractions around the country, those all have different ways that they're reopening. National parks are slowly reopening and figuring out ways to do it without visitor centers, without shuttle buses, and maybe with limits for people getting in. And obviously events all around the country are still canceled and probably won't be returning anytime soon. So going to restaurants can be a challenge, all that sort of stuff that you're hearing about across the country is, is happening where people are trying to figure out how to approach reopening. Do restaurants cut their tables in half, you know, you know, half as many tables in the restaurant? Do movie theaters reopen? Do they remove seats and stuff like that? There's, there's all kinds of stuff that the whole country is figuring out. And what's happening in your local town with that is probably the same thing that's happening elsewhere in the country, but it could be worse. And like I said before, it's really different county to county. There are a lot of counties, particularly tourist counties, that have challenges that that we might not understand. So for instance, Moab, Utah is a is a big tourist destination. It's a resort community town, you know, they call it a gateway community for national parks where people go and they use the hotels, and they use the campgrounds and visit the surrounding national parks around Moab. Moab has a hospital that has 17 beds. So 
that county had shut down all travel, all visitors had to leave, and they have still have some pretty strict restrictions in place and, and nothing is open there. So you'll see stuff like that happening in different places that are very, very popular, but are small communities with small medical facilities, the Florida Keys being another example. So Jason, you mentioned restrictions county by county. Is there some sort of resource that you're referencing to figure out what's going on? No, it's actually really hard to figure out specifically what's going on in different places other than looking at, there are some websites that will tell you what's going on state by state, but you still need to check Mm -hmm. what's going on in different areas. So what we recommend is that you Look at campgrounds and accommodations and places you want to visit and give them a call and ask them what's going on. We look at campendium.com. It's a big campground review website as the best place to find open campgrounds. They have done a really good job of making sure to track who's open and who's closed. And they have a filter in place so you can filter out the ones that are closed and all that sort of stuff for right now. And, you know, most of those will be opening in the near future. That's a good place to get some idea of what's going on, but it's best to call and and find out what's going on in the local community that you're looking at going to. We also use lots of Facebook groups. There's lots of local travel groups. So if you're looking to go to Glacier National Park, if you go to find a Glacier National Park Facebook group, that's a good place to get some idea of what's happening on the ground there because you want to learn about not only what the restrictions are in that county and that community but how is that national park if you want to visit a national park how's that national park managing the coronavirus how are they dealing with people entering and exiting our parking areas opening are the trailheads open are the picnic areas open all that sort of stuff you can generally find out from from people that have have done it already. Those sound like really good resources. We'll certainly link to those. A follow-up question on just contacting other people and and trying to maintain some avoidance. Uh, You mentioned some great procedures that campgrounds have put in place and various parks. What level of contact is really required as you're moving around the country? I think people often get the idea that they're not going to have to contact people to travel in an RV. Now, certainly if you want to be in your local community and, and go camp near where you live, that is probably a real good way to get away from people and do some social distancing. But if you're doing some cross-country travel, you're definitely going to be going to gas stations. You're going to be going to grocery stores and you're going to be doing a lot of the same stuff you were doing at home. Because if you're traveling for a longer period, then you can take the stuff you need with you if you're traveling more than a week or so. You're just Mm -hmm. going to have to be doing that stuff. And if you want to go visit sites those sites are going to have different ways that you're going to have to interact with people or probably just the very fact that there are going to be other people there. I think we had this idea that this would be a good year to get to some of the busier national parks like Yellowstone and Yosemite because maybe less people would be traveling. And we're finding just really over the course of the last week or two from what we're hearing is that this is going to be a very, very busy American road trip travel season. There are going to be a lot of people at these places. It's not some time to have a national park all to yourself, as I think some people had hoped. Everybody has the same thought that you had, and they're all getting out there. And for those that might want to give it a try, do you have other safety considerations or precautions you might recommend that they take? Well, you know, you can do some of the same stuff that you might consider doing at a gas station at home if you want to wear gloves or use hand sanitizer and wash your hands after using the pump and 
make sure you're not doing things like wearing gloves and then holding your phone while you're doing it and then taking the gloves off. And and then when you're out at the campground, you can wipe down the water that you hook up to in the, the electrical box with uh, a sanitizing wipe before you use them. A lot of people do that anyway. They'll take a little a bowl with some water and bleach in it and they'll dip it up in the the water faucet that you hooked up to at the campground to make sure that it's sanitary because a lot of people a lot of people use the same hose to hook up to the fresh water at the campground that they might use to clean out their sewer hose so you see people (laughs) doing silly things like Uh that so uh, it's a good idea to practice some sanitary things like that when you're traveling anyway. So, uh, you yeah, know, I, the, I, I would hope that last one would be a common sense thing. The right, right. <laughs> that was a little bit. Yeah. And then going to, when you go to the dump station to dump your waste tanks and stuff, the same thing, wipe everything down, make sure to wash your hands after. If your RV has an outdoor shower, a lot of them have a little outdoor shower, but that's a good place to wash your hands. You bring some soap out there, wash your hands after doing the dirty business of dumping your tanks. So you don't have to bring anything into the RV to wash your hands. We do a lot of stuff like that, stuff that we would otherwise do. You're going to want to learn about the different ways grocery stores are acting, are, are dealing with this in different areas that you travel to. And when you go to the grocery store, that's going to be your main point of contact with people. But you can often bring your RV right up to the grocery store and, and load stuff in right there. We still do the grocery store pickup where you go, you can go to the Walmart app and order from Walmart and they have it ready for you. They just load it up for you. So you can do those sorts of things and not have to go into the store even while you're traveling. Those are all good things to do. And then I just try to take this time, I think, to go to some of the less famous areas, the less populated areas, the less popular places. There are so many things to see in this country. So while we're in a time where we're trying to stay away from people, go to some of those places. Don't don't feel like you have to go to the 62 major national parks. You can go to any of the national monument sites. You can go to national forests and and that sort of stuff. I think that's all great advice for those thinking about tackling something like this for an alternative this summer. Right now, I'd love to shift away from coronavirus a little bit and some general travel advice because you have extensive experience in this, certainly after four years on the road, family travel, you're doing road schooling. So you certainly have the experience, and I'd love to provide just some general RV tips sure. and RV travel tips for the listeners. The show is about worry-free travel, all those little things that get people a little bit anxious. Mm-hmm. What are some of your essential tips for RVers, and maybe specifically for those considering full-time? Well, my biggest tips for, for traveling in an RV are to be flexible and to take it slow. And it's okay if you want to plan every minute of your trip, but have backup plans. Be flexible with the fact that you might not like a campground, something might not be open you know if you want to we call it boondocking when you stay on public land outside of a campground when you're just sort of parked and running off your battery power you might feel like that area is sketchy or it's not easy to get your rig into be flexible about where you're going to camp and then just give yourself the time to go to the places that you want to go we we talk to so many people that have two weeks to travel you know they're taking their two weeks off for the year from their company and they're trying to book a trip to eight national parks or you know they're going through seven different states and they end up spending all their time driving and it does take you quite a you look at what it, you look at the amount it takes you to drive on google maps like the suggested time of travel on google maps 
you want to add several hours to that per day for RV travel because you just, by the very nature of it, are going slower. You're visiting the gas station more often and it just takes more time and you want to arrive to the campground before it's dark because nobody likes to pull into a campsite in the night and try to figure all that out. So we use this thing called the 222 rule, which a lot of RVers use, and some of them use the 333 rule. And so if it's the 333 rule, what it means is you you only travel every third day and you only travel up to 300 miles and you try to get to the campground by 3 p.m. And you don't have to follow a silly rule like that, but make a rule for yourself. How far do I want to travel in a day? How many hours, how many miles? What time do I want to get to my campground by and leave myself some flexibility in case it takes longer so you can make sure to get there in time to set up and enjoy the campsite and experience the place and then and try to stay somewhere for a few days, even if it's just a stopover on the way to somewhere. Find find a good stopover that has a few things to do in that community and, and do them instead of trying to travel 2,000 miles booking one night at a time. It really gets difficult. And it really grates on you after a while. So that's sort of the the top thing I, I, I recommend to people, especially if you have kids. You know, kids are they're going to want to stop to go to the bathroom more. They're going they're going to have a harder time dealing with the amount of travel that you're you're doing. So take it easy and and don't try to do everything at once. You'd be much better off spending an entire week at one national park than trying to go to five of them over the course of that week and exploring the place for real. So that's sort of my, my top thing. Some resources for, for planning your travels. We really like to use roadtrippers.com, uh, which is a, a great way to find destinations along a route. So you can put in your starting point and you can put in your end point and then you can search like within 30 miles of your route to find different attractions along the way, different sites to visit along the way, different campgrounds or hotels to stay at. So we really like using road trippers for that, but you also can put in your vehicle's gas mileage and it can tell you how much your fuel cost is going to be over the course of your road trip. And that site I talked about earlier, Campendium is a great place to actually find campgrounds along your route. There's a cool discount club called Passport America which is great for any campers that are looking for uh, discount overnights. So generally going to be up to one to two nights that you can get up to a 50% discount at different campgrounds. And basically you just go on their website and find, uh, find which campgrounds in the area you're traveling to have it available. And you call them and, and book with your Passport America card. And it only costs like 40 bucks a year to be a Passport America member. And that's a great help for those real short stops when you're traveling and then for fuel savings if you if you have a diesel uh, rv or a diesel truck there's a, a diesel fuel savings card called tsd logistics and this is a, a crazy discount that is absolutely free you basically they pay and then they take it out of your checking account and it sounds like a scam but it's not lots of rvers use it it's tsd logistics and diesel fuel i'm not kidding you can save up to a dollar a gallon mm -hmm. it's just a massive savings people are saving a ridiculous amount of money but you have to use the truck pumps 
at a truck stop you have the big ones in the back which a lot of if you have a diesel rv you're probably using those anyway so those are just a few different things that can help you out figuring out travel most people that are rving are looking to see the national parks getting that annual national parks pass is is a great help it's 80 dollars a year for anyone and it gets your entire car load into any it's not just national parks it's national parks national forest u.s fish and wildlife service sites uh, any federal recreation site the pass gets you into and you can get it at store.usgs.gov u.s government services store.usgs.gov and it is it is called the america the beautiful pass and it's a great savings uh, as opposed to spending $30 a week for a car load at one national park. This is going to get you for the year. If you're a senior, you can get that pass for $80 for lifetime. And it also provides for seniors half off of camping, which is a massive savings, half off camping at any federal campground. And there are like 10,000 federal campgrounds out there. And if somebody in your family is disabled, you get that basically that same benefit of the senior pass absolutely free. And it's any disability at any level. And you just have to, you can get it again at store.usgs.gov. You can also get those passes at any uh, fee charging national park site. Those are super uh, convenient and handy to have. That's great. That's a lot of great tips and great resources that I'll definitely link to in the show notes. So that's fantastic. With uh, new RVers that you see out on the road, I'm sure you see a lot of mistakes. You see a lot of the same things over and over again. Mm -hmm. How can you help the listener avoid some of those mistakes? Well, one of those big mistakes, again, is, is arriving at the campground too late and trying to go too far. So definitely try to uh, uh, avoid that um, and trying to do too much, of course. Some of the little mistakes that, that people make often involve not really planning their route very well and end up taking their RV places where they might not want to be taking it. And mm -hmm. campgrounds can be very rural and getting to those rural destinations, highway miles are, are pretty easy, but getting back through the backwoods to the rural destinations can be a challenge. So one of our best tips is to talk to the campground, go to the campground's website. Usually a campground's website will list the directions to the campground and they'll tell you, don't take this route, take this route. Don't take that road, go around this way. Especially when you get into like national parks, there there may be some roads that you can't take an RV on and some roads that you can. So you want to know sort of your path because you could be delayed by hours by going mm -hmm. the wrong way. And So and a GPS to... might tell you one route, but then you should check with the campground if they have Absolutely. a specific way that's better. Yeah, do not follow the GPS blindly. Absolutely. We actually... We use several resources. We use a Google Earth to sort of look at the route. You know, if we need work curious about a road, we can actually go in and look at that road using the street view. But we'll also use a, a paper map. We have the, it's called the Motor Carriers Atlas. And basically it's the map that truckers use. It shows you all the truck routes in the country. So you can look to see if this is a, a route that you're planning is recommended for semi-trucks, then you're probably pretty good on it. Now, if you're driving a real small RV, maybe this might not matter that much to you, but the, the bigger rigs, it's important to be careful about 
mountain passes that, that don't recommend you be longer than a certain amount and, and be careful about some of those washboard backwoods roads. And what are some of the common myths and misconceptions about RVing that you can help dispel? So there are lots of different types of RVing. Right. And people do this in lots of different ways. So one of the biggest myths is that that RVers are very rich and, and because they must be able to be rich to be able to afford this big RV and be able to uh, go to all these campgrounds. And the, the, the weird thing about especially us full timers is people either think we're we're very rich or we're very poor. <laughs> Nobody thinks that we're in, in the middle, as most of us are. And. But my point there is that there are lots of different ways to travel. So if you want to be somebody that goes to all of the big resorts and you want to have the pools and the water slides and the cabanas and, and all that stuff, you're going to pay for that. So, you know, the, the idea that RVing is cheaper than, than traditional airplane or road trip travel to hotels, it, it can be a myth because th people think they are going to be saving a lot of money because they're camping. It cannot be a myth if you are willing to camp affordably. And that might mean that you're not plugged in at a campground that you're going to be at. That might mean that you're using the water in your water tank and you're going to a state park that doesn't have the cleanest bathhouses and that, and that sort of stuff. And if you're okay with that, then you can save lots and lots of money doing this. Of course, the cost of your RV is going to factor into that as well. That comes with RV ownership or RV rental. There are, is a massive scale of RVs available for rent, and some of them are going to be way more affordable than, than others. And it's going to depend on where you go and uh, just like, you know, renting a car. So cost is one of the big myths, but you can save money if you do it right, just like any sort of travel. The good news is that uh, you're not traveling, you're, you're not going to a super cheap hotel room and dealing with somebody else's cleaning and all that sort of stuff. You can mm -hmm. deal with your own at that point. Another myth is that this life has to be completely laid back and rural and going to the boonies and going to out into the woods, into the middle of nowhere and, and not going into cities. We RV to cities all the time. There are some cities are better set up for RVers than others, and you're generally going to pay more at a campground near a city. But there are generally great places to camp near cities. So for instance, I'll give you New Orleans. If you want to go to New Orleans, there are three state parks surrounding New Orleans that are $25 a night. I mean, they're in New Orleans proper. There's a great federal campground that's in uh, Nashville proper that we stayed at that was $20 a night called Seven Points. So you can actually RV to cities very easily. Now that's a challenge if you're just in a motorhome and you don't have a separate car with you and it's a big motorhome that you can, if you want to, you park on a campground like this, then it's, it can be a challenge to explore. But a lot of people will rent a car when they get to a city or they bring a car with them. You can tow a car behind your RV or if you're if you're a truck towing a trailer, then you have a, a, a truck. That's what we do. You've got a truck that you can hop around a city and visit everything in. So we've, we've RV'd around Chicago, New Orleans, Mobile, Nashville, Atlanta, lots of different cities that, that you can go to. You can even, you can RV to New York City if you want. There's a, there's a campground that is right across the river in New Jersey that is looking straight at the, the New York skyline. So it, it, it is possible to, to see all the different sites in America if you're flexible in an RV. Is there a final 
sort of big idea, piece of advice that you can give to people that are either going to try RVing for the first time, or maybe they're just getting into it? Do you have some sort of big piece of advice you can finish with? Yeah, really do your research. I mean, this the, if you're going to buy an RV, that is a massive purchase. Even if you're buying an older or smaller one, you're going to be spending a lot of money on, on an RV. So really take your time to do the research and learn about the different brands, learn about the issues that people have had with them. Buying an RV, it's not like buying an automobile, right? It's much more like buying a house. You're going to have the same problems a house has, not the same problems uh, your new Honda Civic has. You know, your Honda Civic, if you have an issue with it, you take it to a dealer and it's fixed within a day and it's under warranty and it's pretty easy and you very rarely have issues with it within those first several years of ownership. Almost every new RV has some issues with it, just like every new house has some things that need to be fixed and you know weren't hooked up properly, weren't ran properly. That happens in RVing. And if you look at it like that, knowing that there are going to be some challenges and knowing that you, if you're somebody that is willing to do a little bit of the work to deal with some of that stuff, because it can be really challenging to get your RV in for service. It can take several weeks uh, at a dealership. There are mobile technicians out there, but that is the biggest problem that RVers have on the road is dealing with maintenance and service. So I, I just want to caution anybody that's looking at, at, and to get into this lifestyle that if you're somebody that can't manage minor maintenance and if you're worried that your rig is going to be perfect when you buy it, don't spend those thousands and thousands of dollars. And if you don't know, dip your toes in, rent an RV. And that's a good way to find the different type of RVs that might be right for you anyway. If you rent one, you can sort of learn about one and see if it's the type that's right for you. And it might not be. You might want bigger. You might want smaller there are a lot, lots of different options out there for RVs. So it can be real confusing to people that you know might think that they want one thing, but actually end up wanting another. And a lot of people end up selling their rig for something different within the first two years, and they take a huge hit in depreciation. So try to avoid that by renting, especially if you're only going to be traveling short term. There's no reason to go buy an RV if you're going to take two weeks of travel right now. You can do that and, and, and rent an RV and figure it out. And if you're worried about driving one, you can actually rent an RV in the local area of the campground that you're going to. That owner will put it in the campground for you and you just stay in it. So you can go and there's places just like there's Airbnb for you know booking people's apartments. You can go on a website called Outdoorsy and you can, there's another one called RV Share and you can rent people's RVs there are personal RVs, but they also have they have insurance and everything that like Airbnb has. So it's it's a great option for everybody. And a, a lot of those people set it up right in the campground for you. They might teach you how to use everything on it. I think that's probably a better thing than going out and buying. Normally, I recommend that people go to RV shows to learn about RVs before buying them. You know, tour all the rigs at an RV show. That RV shows aren't going to be coming back for a while, so so I, I don't know I, that I have a solution for that yet. But right. you can also t walk around the dealer lots and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, on the topic of reliability and just issues with the new RV, are there brands that that tend to be more reliable than others that you'd like to recommend? You know, the, here's the thing: is that almost every manufacturer in the RV space is selling at every price point and their stuff at the cheaper price points is manufactured with less quality. 
and people get hung up on brand and really in the RV space, you do get what you pay for to some extent. Now there are some brands that are top of the line, like Airstream and Newmar and Tiffin, those, but those are real luxury brands and you're going to pay a pretty penny for them. If you ha have the money to, to buy one of those luxury brands, great, you're going to be happy. Um, but if you don't, really one of the best things you can do, again, every one of these rigs, they are built sort of like an automobile is, but not really. It is generally a little bit more custom. They don't put anywhere near as many units out. It's very difficult to look at one brand to another. So the best thing that you can do when you buy a new RV is to get a independent inspection on it. There are lots of RV inspectors out there across the country. There's a big association of them. These independent RV inspectors all across the country, you spend a couple hundred dollars on one, just like you'd have a home inspection when you're when you're buying a house from somebody and they're going to show all the different defects because you could have an rv from a very good brand that's going to have some problems with it and you want to make sure that you don't rvs depreciate very quickly and a lot of new rvs like i said they do have some problems coming off the line and sometimes those problems have been solved by the first owner and and a lot of people will recommend buying a recently used rig for that reason. Now, a lot of used rigs are also traded in because they have so many problems with them. So uh, there, there is a reliability issue in the industry right now. And, and that's a challenge for a lot of people. But if you know that going into it, and you, you know that you might have your furnace might have to go in for repair or something like that, um, then you can deal with it. But uh, inspections are really a great way to go. And once coronavirus dies down, or at least people feel like moving about again, what is your next bucket list destination? What's the place that's maybe something that you haven't been to before? We're trying so hard to figure that out, what we want to do. You know, we have traveled extensively between the Southwest, the Midwest, and the Southeast. And we have done very little of the Northeast and the Northwest. And of course, those are two of the biggest coronavirus hotspots. <laughs> so the, mm -hmm. we really, we our intention for later this year was to be in New England uh, for the late summer and early fall. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. You know, now we're looking at, like I recommended earlier, less popular destinations. If you want to talk about things that are on our bucket list, like where we dream of going, we do dream of going to the Pacific Northwest and, and visiting Olympic National Park and getting all the way up to Maine and, and going to Acadia National Park. And we'd love to take the journey to Alaska. A lot of RVers every summer will take the journey up to Alaska and, and drive back. And you can either drive up through Canada or you can go to Oregon and Washington and you can drive a, a giant RV onto a ferry and they'll take you right up into Alaska and then you can drive mm -hmm. around in, in Alaska. And uh, Alaska is just, it looks so beautiful. We'd love to get there someday. Those great goals that you have, Jason, and you've provided a lot of great tips, great resources that we'll definitely link to. And I really appreciate it. What's the best place that people can find you online? Where would you like to send them? RVMiles.com is our website. You can find the RV Miles podcast there and the America's National Parks and Sea America podcast there. You can find those also on any 
podcast app. And then our personal travels were all over social media as our wandering family. That's sort of our personal travel social media separate from from the business stuff. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Jason today. He provided a lot of great resources, which will all be in the show notes. Again, they will be linked from our Twitter profile, Safe Travels FM. A tiny favor, this is a new show and feedback has been great. Who doesn't want to enjoy worry-free travels? So please do me a favor and help boost the show. There are many ways to do this. You can rate it on one of the podcast providers. You can share it with friends. You can share it on social media. I think it's a very valuable show. I think your friends would enjoy it. I would appreciate that very much. Thanks again for listening. Safe travels.